Hello everybody and welcome back to Checkpoint Radio. My name is James and I'm joined by Ben and Connor and in today's episode we're taking a look at the best games of 2023 in our Game of the Year special. Lots to discuss in this episode including some bigger missions from the Game Awards and we get into our favourite releases of the year and which ones we think are truly deserving of the title Game of the Year. Before that, gentlemen, good to see you as always. Feels a little bit weird today because we're recording this on a Friday. Uh, how are we all doing, Ben? How are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Um, not much to report, really. I've been making my way through the Gears of War franchise this time around. That's been lots of fun. After our last Just episode kiss. and we discussed cloud gaming, I then completed Gears of War 2, 3 and Judgment all through the Xbox Game Pass cloud service. And it was a great experience. But jumping oh, from cloud to Gears of War 4 actually like locally installed playing it on keyboard and mouse widescreen support it was like I'd suddenly jumped literally 10 years into the future and (laughs) was now gaming properly again it was quite the jump but it was fun I didn't really enjoy Gears of War 4 though to be honest but I'm playing Gears of War 5 and that is really good yeah I I never played the 4 4 but 5 is is excellent it's a really good game 4 just lost Sorry, I was just going to say, 4 just, to me, like, it was good. And we discussed it, you and I, earlier, James, today, about, obviously, the Coalition coming on board, taking a massive torch from Epic Games, and then trying to deliver something that, one, the fans will love, but two, them Mm. doing their own thing and so on. So it's a real difficult situation to be in. So I really commend what they did do, because they didn't fuck it up. They they still made a good game. But they did, in 4 personally they lost or they didn't manage to capture the essence of what made gears of war gears of war gears of war one to three is rugged and intense and explosive and fucking mental whereas with gears of war four it was very sort of like stage and scripted you'd fight a certain amount of enemies and then it'd be like oh here's level two and then find like the next level up and then you, then you'd finally fight the boss and it was super formulaic yeah. and it was very structured and it wasn't gr- God, like it wasn't gritty and it was gory obviously but it wasn't harsh and intense and like holy fuck it was just I don't know it was like a safe bet then honestly yeah. jumping onto five first mission it was like boom here we go this is the Gears of War you know and love it was mental action packed intense mm. tight gritty gory <laughs> explosive everything and it was like holy shit this is what four should have been yeah it was so good and i've actually yeah, been playing like a co-op um, with my brother which is even oh nice awesomer. yeah that's yeah. cool i feel like um four was maybe the coalition just like easing themselves into the yeah, franchise a little bit. you know taking taking it easy try not to go too full sort of gung-ho with it yeah fear of what people might think but yeah they definitely got their feet under the table with with five which is a, yeah. just a fantastic game and what like a technical achievement as well running at native 4k 60 fps on this current gen of console i don't know if there's any triple a game that can do that to be honest they're all like yeah. checkerboard upscaling some yeah. sort of technology in but native 4k i don't think people realize how hard it is to drive a game at native 4k 60 fps that's some real exactly. achievement from them really big time and like it it might be easy enough to get a game in 4k but that comes with graphics and the game is absolutely gorgeous like you can get a 4k yeah. image and look at that on your phone but to run a game that looks good in 4k 
at 60 fps yeah mm. th that's an achievement so yeah great game really enjoying it and then i'll be finishing off the cherry on top maybe with gears tactics which is like their XCOM. Nice. um yeah, but i'm gonna play the two it. at the same time apparently so. it's quite good gears yeah tactics, i started it today feels, feels quite nice it's sort of very much like XCOM. i mean it's like if it ain't mm. broke don't fix it they have a great formula so they've just taken that they have adapted it and changed it but it's basically just gears of war XCOM, which is totally fine. So, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Connor, what about you? What have you been up to this week? Um, I've had a half week of work, so it's been quite quite nice and refreshing, actually. Mm. Lovely Excuse stuff. me. Um, I weirdly jumped onto Fortnite. I and, saw uh, that. I'm, like, really enjoying it. And, like, I was, wasn't into Fortnite whatsoever whilst it's yeah. been out. But mm. they put that zero build out, and I was just... I had the feelings play a battle royale the other day. I was like, I'm not, not going on PUBG. It's too bloody mm. clunky. COD sucks. And then I thought, I'll try Fortnite. And I just spent like three or four hours on there. Like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. Like, it's surprisingly fun, isn't it? Head and shoulders above everything else. Yeah. And, and then I mean, they had like the biggest day of their career. Like mm. six million people on or something ridiculous. So yeah, it's really good. And then uh played Risk of Rain Returns. Oh, nice. Which is just another great game this year. And I'm just like, what's going on? It just like shadow dropped out of nowhere, I felt like. And it's fantastic. So I've played Risk of Rain, but what is Risk of Rain Returns? It's like a reskin of, uh, I think, the first Risk of Rain, I think. Oh, okay. So it's just, oh, it's just uh, sort of like a remaster. Yeah. Yeah, but just more content and like um, I think they've changed the graphic style slightly and it's like a roguelike. Mm. Oh. It's great. It's just jump in and do runs. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's perfect game I, to jump on and do 20 minutes and then. I've played Risk of Rain 2 and that's like a 3D mm. like over the shoulder third person thing. So I'd never played Risk of Rain 1. I thought Risk of Rain 1 was just like Risk of Rain 2, but I didn't realise Risk of Rain 1 was a roguelike metro Metroidvania. Yeah, it's like thing. Dead Cells or uh, Enter the Gungeon, uh, stuff like that. It's great. Mm. Just go on, do 15, 20 minute runs and collect things and just incredible right. soundtrack. And it was just That's like, wish list. I checked it out the other day. Uh, I can't remember. I saw someone play it on YouTube and looked at it and went, oh, that looks great because I love games like that. And then mm. it was like 13 quid or something. So yeah, jumped on and then I lost like two hours. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. I've got like a backlog of games already to touch. Yeah. So. yeah. The problem with starting new games is they just add to the pile of uncompleted games that you've got already. That's uh, yeah, yeah, pretty chill. First week. world problems. How about yourself, James? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've had a quite busy week actually. Just been working a ton. Um taking on a new project at work I don't really want to get into it but yeah I've been real busy at work so I haven't really had much time to sort of chill out play games mm. just been playing a bit of ultimate team here and there FIFA or well FC24 as it's now called Course. mate this game is just like it's just cancerous I hate it yeah. so much but I can't stop playing it because obviously I love football it's the only viable football game out there at the moment yeah I say viable doesn't stop it from being a mess of a game in a broken piece of shit but here we are. And, you um, literally said today that you were gonna. I'm not playing it anymore. I'm <laughs> then I'm he gonna... sends video clips two yeah, seconds later. But and actually, I've just scored this goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was like saying, I was just moaning. I'm never playing it on my team again. Yeah. This is so broken. There's so many busted mechanics and people exploiting the game. But I played another game 
two scored two goals directly from a corner, and I was like, "What is this game? This game is just so stupid." But, um, every sports yeah, it's, game, it's just one of those games. You know? Every sports game is the same, and it's barring like MLB the Show, which is mm. traditionally uh, usually really really good. Like NBA Two K is just you've monetized all hell. Yeah. EA UFC is the same. Madden's the same. NHL sucks. And it's like yeah. they're just targeting these like tribal people that love their yeah. sport, and they just take the money out of everything they do. And yeah. they, they suck. I, really, I really, I really feel like Ultimate Team as like a, a, a standalone game should be a free experience. Now I don't know why that's still part of a paid. You know, well, obviously we do know why it's still part of a paid thing because they, mm. they make so much money for it. People are going to buy it. But I, I'm hoping that um, EA could go the way of, of Konami and just release some sort of free-to-play standalone version of Ultimate Team of sorts because, you know, you're paying £70 for the game and then just the amount of monetization in it, like you say, the amount of, of, of like, by a lot of, like, the, the, the game revolves around, like, building this dream squad with, with these cards that you get from packs and stuff like that and you can earn packs in the game obviously but um yeah there's they so much of it is like buy packs buy packs buy packs oh here's a squad building challenge you need this amount of of players or this rated squad quickest way to do that buy packs buy packs it's like everything is just like fast forwarded by buying stuff and that's why so many people spend the money because you know they just want to be they want to have the best teams and, and compete at the highest level and yeah money Spending money definitely helps you do that, but it's not. It's no surprising really that all this fucking loot box and loot box and, and shit like that is is like EA's bread and butter because they pretty much invented that shit. They they like basically come up with that when they started Ultimate Team all those years ago. It was like their thing that they brought into the fucking gaming world, and it's yeah, obviously changed so much they, about. They don't care. Pretty they much, drag... yeah. It's banned in some countries, I think, yeah. like mm. the the pack openings and stuff like that. They drag your nuts across the face every time you sell a player because it goes, "Oh, by the way, EA have taken five percent of your profit." I was like, "Why are you taking five yeah. percent? Why are you taking five percent of this digital currency of... that you just don't yeah. need?" Yeah, it's so, kind of bullshit. Yeah. We're just gonna take what we want. <laughs> so yeah, long days at work, second. and then yeah. yeah, long days at work, and then <laughs> trying to chill out a couple of games on Ultimate Team and getting more stressed. So. On the way to live. Tablets. But yeah, I did actually. My, my it was my birthday last weekend, and my, my brother um, bought me Spider Man Two on the PS Five. Mm. So I've tried to play it, but I really want to give it like a lot of time to sort of get into it because I've sort of been playing it in fits and starts. But I've maybe played around two or three hours so far, and it's it's a really good game. Like it's not reinventing the formula they kind of come up with with the first one, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. <clears throat> But yeah, you can just tell it's just going to be a solid experience, like great story, great characters. So yeah. looking forward to getting. I can't more get into over that. the. Like, I've seen the clips of just like the fast traveling, and it's like that's nuts. How quick yeah. it is! But I'll tell you what, the the speed you can swing around the city in this one, like you don't really need fast traveling. You can absolutely tear around the city, and you've got like web wings now as well, so you can sort of fly for a little bit. So it's kind of cool. You know, the traversal is like really improved actually. It's, it's really cool now. But um. But yeah, that's all I've been up to. Not really much to report. Same same as you guys. Been a pretty quiet week in terms of same gaming, old. but busy for work. Same old stuff. But anyway, I thought we'd just move swiftly on to the main chunk of the show. As we all know, we're coming towards the end of the calendar year. So that means the Game Awards. Uh, Jeff Keighley's Pride and Joy. The Game Awards is a big sort of thing that people kind of talk about and discuss. And for a lot of people, I feel like they think that the Game Awards is the definitive sort of, oh, if a game's won 
an award at this ceremony. Yeah. That's legit, you know. It's like the equivalent of, I don't know, the Academy Awards or whatever, the Oscars for movies. That's it. It's kind um, of become so the authority, the, isn't it? Yeah, it's it kind of has, but it's, it's strange branded. because there's... Yeah, great branded, but it's strange because there's a lot of other award ceremonies out there. Mm. And to be honest, like, you shouldn't really be letting... A ceremony to decide whether you think a game's worthy of that title or not. Earlier mm. on in the year, we went over the BAFTA Game Awards, or BAFTA, and it's like BAFTA is a prestigious event, especially in like England. Mm. Yeah, and like it's actually covering video games, and I think at some point the mm. Oscars would do like certain things to do with video games. But Jeff Keighley yeah. comes out and he goes, "Oh, it's the Game Awards. I know Kojima," and everyone's like, "Oh my God, this is our Oscars." <laughs> I was like, "What? Fucking yeah." Well, it's, it's strange because there, there's a lot of like mainstream chatter about the Game Awards this year. And I, I feel like it's going to be a big one. And I'm not sure what it is, but it just feels like because we've had such a big year for gaming. You know, yeah. we go back to 2022 last year. It was a barren year for video games. There was mm. nothing coming out. It was dead. But it seems like this is the first time a lot of the developers have kind of gotten over the hurdles of COVID. They're now ready to release their games. So they're just all covered at once. And there was maybe one point during the year where we were thinking, well, there's always games slated for 2023. Are we actually going to see them? We're we going to get more delays. Are they going to release yeah. broken? But it turns out it's been actually a very, very good year for games, which has caused a hot debate on social media if you keep up with that stuff. So um, the ceremony, the Game Awards actual ceremony, is going to take place on the 7th of December in Los Angeles. And the main Game of the Year nominees are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate are leading the nominations with eight each, including Best Game, Direction, Best Narrative, Game of the Year. Truly deserving of that. But um, yeah, I thought we'd just discuss the games, not necessarily all the games on this list, but the games we think deserve to be in this conversation because it's a hot topic. You know, people love talking about Game of the Year and people get real fucking tribal about this shit as well. They love to argue about why this game's better than that game. I've seen and the it, it's Xbox hilarious conspiracy theorists out there already. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get on to Starfield in a bit because that's actually quite an interesting topic. But I thought we'd start with talking about probably the two biggest games of the year. I mean, Baldur's Gate 3 was an absolute fucking cultural and commercial hit when it when it arrived. Like, we're talking about a tabletop RPG-inspired, turn-based, well, RPG Mm. And it's not a game that many people would consider themselves fans of the style. Yeah. But so many people ended up buying and playing this game. Millions. Yeah. I mean, Baldur's Gate 3 was kind of like that. It kind of... The studio Larian were a, quite a small studio in comparison to most AAA studios. So then when they came out with this absolute behemoth of a game... And it was a great game too. Obviously, it was in early access for a number of years, so players have been playing this game for a while. But obviously, as it was coming close to its launch and the hype was starting to build up for like version 1.0 or whatever, and then when they actually released the game, delivered on their promises, maybe even like over-promised, and people were quite literally losing their mind at the ability of a small studio in comparison to most AAA studios, creating a game that most AAA studios could not and have not produced or made in the past. And so it was quite... So as well. Yeah, so it's quite an epic story of, like, the small guys creating something absolutely monumental and getting the recognition that they deserve for a project well done, quite literally. So yeah. 
um, there's not really much of a bad word you can say about Baldur's Gate, really, when you consider how much they've done, how small their studio is in comparison. Obviously, we're not talking like one guy, ten guys. We're talking like a big team still. But yeah, um, but yeah, they've they've created something that is quite literally it's industry quite a- changing, isn't it? It's the perfect sort of underdog story because mm. they were on the brink of collapse for a few years ago. They were mm. very open about it. And this has come about. And it's had developers around the industry shitting themselves, going, by the way, yeah. that's not the standard of video games. It's like, yeah, it should be. You've got 10 times <laughs> more employees than they have. Yeah. Five times yeah. the budget. What are you talking about? I mean, I mean you've got, you got studios like, like Bungie that are laying off staff and, you know, dragging Destiny 2 by its fucking balls to get it to a point where people are trying to come back to it. Mm. They've got seven, eight hundred employees, I think. Maybe even yeah. more than that. Maybe even over, more than that. Probably. I don't know. Thousands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. And then, you know, Larry and like we say, it's not a small studio, but mm. in comparison to some of these other studios like Bungie and then, you know, like any of the Call of Duty makers, for example, yeah, you name it. pales in comparison. So what they've managed to achieve and probably on a much smaller budget as well it deserves the recognition. So yeah. it's no it's no kind of like surprise that it's been nominated. And we talk about studios nearly going under. The other game that people have talked about in the game of the year debate that I've mentioned already, Alan Wake 2. Mm. Remedy went through exactly the same situation. They almost fucking went under as well. Yeah. But a game that was, again, made by a relatively small studio in comparison to other AAA studios on a much smaller budget than a lot of AAA games yeah. have created something that I think is... It's it's just a it's just an entertainment masterpiece. Like, oh, it really is. Because they they've they've managed to really bridge a gap between sort of that live action cinematic stuff and telling like a real strong narrative. Change the way narratives can be told in storytelling. Yeah. In this package of a of a you know best in class, especially in terms of like graphics and technical and stuff oh. like that, presentation wise, yeah. video game. Like we we haven't really seen anything on the on the level of, um. Alan Wake 2's like technical achievements to, to date. It's, it's probably the most next-gen looking game yeah. in existence I mean, at the moment. The, when Alan Wake 2 released their, um, what's it called? Sorry, the uh, technical requirements, the, the requirements of what kind of PC you'll need to be running to yeah. run this game. People were kind of taken aback because these requirements were, were insane. The systems that you mm. need to maybe run the game on the highest top, settings was quite fucking eye-water and expensive pc level but honestly like the game looked absolutely phenomenal it was like the first time you played gta 5 and you started to see their shirt creasing and when they're getting their shirt wet in the water and they walk out flip flops actually flipping and flopping when he's yeah that was was, crazy i remember seeing that yeah it was and it was the same level of like oh my god another studio has done it again taking graphics to a whole new level like it was one of those kind of games where you know you've got movies out there that you could almost freeze frame any moment within the film like her comes to mind yeah it's like a like a piece of Mm. art yeah exactly and the amount of screenshots that we'd sent each other james especially (laughs) just from moments that you'd stop and stare at the fucking gorgeous yeah. vista or something or or creepy mm. new york city or anything the whole game was just a visual masterpiece as well as 
an incredible story. Absolutely. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, we don't want to kind of underplay it that this is not just a game that looks great. Yeah. The the this the narrative, is... the, the 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 delivery of the narrative in this game is absolutely best in class. Oh, I mean, the one thing that this game has done that maybe other studios haven't done today is they've created something called the Remedy Connected Universe. So if you've played Alan Wake 1, obviously Alan Wake 2 is a sequel and comes straight afterwards. But there's a game called Control, which I'm sure lots of you at home have probably heard of it, which is within the same universe of Alan Wake, which expands upon the events of what's happened in Alan Wake, as well as like tying it yep. in to a global story and actually explaining that there's a whole lot more going on with these objects of power and stuff that's happening in the world. Mm. So having like a whole different game that ties in with your universe that has completely different characters in, but it's all tied in together in the same story, in the same world, at the same time. And then it's like when you're playing Alan Wake 2, but you have the knowledge of everything from Alan, uh, from Alan Wake 1 and Control, and like, yeah. oh, that's from Control, and oh, I it recognize him. It sheds a new light on, and... on the game, doesn't it? It, make, it makes the experience so much more kind oh. of like re rewarding when you've yeah. got prior knowledge of, of those games. Because there's, there's even in Quantum Break, no, Quantum Break, mm -hmm. another Remedy game, is not considered part of the so-called RCU, mm. but you can see so many Easter eggs in Quantum Break that yeah. reference stuff in Alan Wake 2 and Control, and it's like the fucking forward thinking of oh. Remedy it, this this is not by accident this this was has been in in the planning for years and yeah we, we know that because there's easter eggs for games that haven't been released yet in the old games when you go back and, and play them exactly so like i mean this whole big grand plan they've got to create this connected universe i mean i'm surprised we haven't really seen anything like this in gaming before i know I'm... there are a lot of games out there where the developers say oh yeah well these are set in the same universe like apparently all of rockstar's games are set in the same universe but there's so much difference between all of them so many they're set in completely mm. different locations. They don't really reference each other. They're set in yeah. different times, like Red Dead and then GTA, Bully example, for example. So you don't really get that sense of connection. But this is mm. the first time, really, we've seen a AAA game studio take like a product or a bunch of IPs they've got and say, we're going to put all this in the same universe and actually directly reference each game within mm. the other games to create a grand story. And it's it. only got me thinking, like when, when you think of like the MCU, for example... The way that's now think about what you want about the MCU, and I've said plenty about the MCU sort of away from this podcast. But the the kind of grand overarching story, or the idea of having this grand story that you know encompasses numerous games or films in the case of the MCU, is a really cool idea. And it gets yeah. to the end, and it's like really satisfying in terms of like the MCU anyway. That's so. It. What Remedy are planning for the future, it makes I mean, me really excited to see where this is going to go. Exactly, because traditionally we'd be waiting for an Alan Wake 3, for instance, to continue the story. But because they've opened it up to this connected universe, it could be a completely different game, a new IP that will tie yeah. in with the world and the universe and the story and everything. And it, and it gives them so much freedom, so much creative, like, just, well, creative freedom to, they could come out with, a another game completely new concept well they are aren't they they are literally they're, bringing they, out they've revived a they're reviving a scrap game after yeah. the success of Alan Wake 2 so I don't know how that works because it's I mean a, I think it's a new IP yeah but anything that Sam Wake Sam Lake Sam seems Sam to Wake. touch 
is just gold dust because I yeah. did go back and play through all the old school Max Payne's mm. and then did Quantum Break. Well, I did Quantum Break first, then did the Max Payne's. And just the Microsoft must be effort. slamming their head against the wall. Oh, mate. Because you know like, it. They, they ruined that relationship and they just like sold Quantum Break back to Remedy on the cheap. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's incredible to see what a man... I mean, he's considered like an auteur now, isn't he, Sam Lake? And yeah. I'd, I'd say so. I'd say yeah. so. Anything that he and touches is just blessed with his mind. It's just and insane. he's been working in the industry for so long now. Like, mm. people forget how old, like, the Max Payne games are. And, like, Remedy have yeah. had a, a stop-start sort of career. Yeah. Like, you could tell that there, there's something with that studio, but it's never quite worked out. And they managed to do control on $25 million, yeah. which you can't get anything greenlit in America for that sort of stuff now. Just like, these play games. And I, I don't yeah. think they've released the budget for Alan Wake 2, but it's not going to be I much think it's higher. supposedly somewhere between 50 and $70 million, which is it's, it's a relatively good chunk of money to obviously make a game in. But, I th- you know, you've got AAA games out these days that cost a hundred million dollars plus two hundred million like look at everything yeah. sony does and playstation yeah. do yeah they make great games but they're not cheap to make no yeah. and like you look at the production value like if remedy were a obviously i hope they stay independent but if if alan wake 2 come alongside last of us 2 and stuff like that you'd go oh no they fit in with playstation studios the production levels there mm, and they've yeah. done it for a third of the budget yeah. like that art house sort of yeah. game and the only slight issue that Alan Wake has is the combat's not as good as Control, which is weird to me. Mm. But that is the only thing I can, like, you literally yeah. nitpicking. Yeah. The combat's not too yeah. great. It's a bit dry I mean, if compared, I, if I, Yeah, if, if I'm going to kind of... My biggest problem, and it's not really a problem, because I think at the end of the day, I enjoyed the story so much mm. in Alan Wake and the puzzles as well were really interesting. Yeah, especially they really were. in um you know, Alan's parts when you're using his little torch thing to like change the light sources around. Like that, that was all really cool. But the game is kind of spun as a survival horror, but they're really lenient on the mm. survival aspects. I actually yeah. think they're too lenient. When you're playing the game on normal difficulty, for example, mm-hmm. um, I found myself having like an absolute abundance of, of resources. Yeah, and free time. Sort of, and free time that I yeah. never sort of like felt like, I, I never really thought like there was a big threat yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it is quite similar to a Resident Evil or like a modern Resident Evil game, isn't it? Very similar in the way it's played, the resource management. Even it literally the, is. Uh, inventory's the same. Yeah, like it's a survival are. horror, like the new concept. So it is a good survival horror game. I haven't played Resident Evil 4 yet. I do plan to. But obviously, like we've just said, combat is a bit sparing and it's scary and sometimes it can be quite intense. And there's a lot of suspense but there's so much suspense sometimes that you're kind of left like, yeah. am I going to have some combat now, maybe? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, still I, I, I do think, like, obviously, I think people have to label things now. It's more of a psychological horror than mm. Yeah, I'd say, so. I'd, say, I'd say so. Like, it's not like, oh, my God, this is shit in my pants scary, but it does. Yeah. There's a yeah. tension, and the tension just keeps building and building. And you I mean, if little... you play, if you... Okay. Sorry, Carl, I was going to say, if you ever play a game like, if you ever, has anyone ever played The Long Dark? Like the yeah, Long Dark is, is not it. considered a horror game, but that, for me, is a survival horror game. It's fucking yeah. hellish when you're out there in the middle of that Arctic winter and you've got no resources. Yeah. It's hard going. And that's kind of what I think of when I think of survival horror. I think Alan Wake is a little bit too, you know, forgiving on, on that mm. aspect. 
But, you know, for me, that game was all about the presentation and the narrative and like the acting as well was top notch. And, oh. you know, we can't sort of talk about Alan Wake without talking about that one moment in the fucking TV studio with Alan, the big musical number. Oh. I don't know if you've got that far yet, Connor, but I mean, this is... Oh, I've seen this, it anyway. They have easily delivered the best gaming moment of 2023, <laughs> I think, with this. It completely threw me off guard. Wasn't it? expecting it. Loved every minute of it. It was just an incredible amount of effort. Like, name me a yeah. game that has made their... I mean, there have been many games, but an, <laughs> a game like this that had made their in, entire soundtrack just for the game, and the, yeah. each song references part of the story of the game, which was just mental. I listened to the whole soundtrack, <laughs> and literally each individual song pretty much references what's going on in each chapter. It's mental. Yeah. Oh, I would... Sitting in the like the case bit, and you turn on the radio. I was listening to is Poe, the mirror is a trap on loop for like oh, 20 minutes. Yeah. I was yeah. meant to be playing the game, there's, yeah. Oh, there's a there's so a good. there's a band that exists in the world of this of, of the RCU called the Old Gods of Asgard. I think they mm. are. I think Poe or Poets of the Fall, or I can't remember what the name is, but I think they're like a real band, yeah. But then they're kind of playing this other fake band in the game. But they exist in the game because they're. Ah. I haven't got to the end of Control yet, but I hear there's another big musical number in Control, which is similar to the one we saw in Alan Wake. Oh, um, something about a maze, but I'm not too sure because I haven't got that far. It might be in the DLC, actually. I don't know. Mm, anyway, probably. so yeah, this the moment we're talking about is obviously we sing the chapter with with Alan Wake in the studio, and um, I just want to give a shout out to David Harold as well, the guy who plays Mr. Door is incredible like he yeah. completely sold that sort of you know that charismatic kind of tv host but then when you have the conversation with him towards the end of the game oh. it's like oh my god this guy is actually terrifying like there's yeah. something going on with scary. this scary like you would not yeah. want to be messing with this guy yeah incredible acting um yeah just just incredible like i can't sing i mean for me personally i think alan wake 2 takes game of the year for me personally i just don't feel yeah. i mean i've not played every game not played spider-man not played resident evil not played super mario not played zelda barely played Baldur's gate but i don't feel like there's been a game that's put so much effort into so many different extra components that of a traditional type of game it is so obviously there's a massive argument to say Baldur's gate has done that and i think it obviously rightfully also should take game of the year but for me alan wake 2 just just everything it tried to do or dipped its fingers in it did to the Executed best of their possible perfection oh absolutely so um yeah so yeah i can't i can't sing alan wake 2's praises high enough and um yeah yeah i mean it's always going to be a, a tough kind of like i, I feel i feel a little bit bad for Remedy in some ways because Baldur's Gate deservedly so has got so much recognition for the game that it mm. that it is and it's a, it's a great game you know I've I haven't completed it I mean at two I think I've spent about 60 or 70 hours or so in the game which is quite wow. a long time to spend on any game to be honest but this is a game that's got hundreds of hours of content mm. but um I mean no matter which way it goes there's always going to be people that are upset and I just feel like more people need to play Alan Wake and see this game to understand the level of kind of execution that um, Remedy have sort of put on display here because yeah. much like Baldur's Gate 3 deserves all that praise and it deserves to have all those players playing it and enjoying it. I mm. think Alan Wake 2 has been a little bit, you know, unlucky in that regard where it's not had the same amount of popularity even yeah. though it truly, truly deserves it. 
I mean, and then it makes me think, moving away from Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate, if you're talking about popularity, yeah. when you see Zelda in the running for the um, yeah. game of the year, that just makes me feel like, how many people have played Zelda? And then how many people have played Alan Wake 2? It's going to be... Zelda has sold like 12 million copies oh, or something ridiculous. Exactly. Like 14 million Nearly copies 19 million. Yeah. So, is it? Well, there yeah. You go, then. so when you compare just the amount of people who have never played Alan Wake 2, have played Zelda, you know where they're going to place their vote. So, I mean, I'm, I can't say yeah. anything about Zelda. I've not played a Zelda game ever. So I don't know. I mean, I can see why it's in the top rankings. I personally don't really get it, but... It's um, I don't know. For yeah. me, I think the the thing the thing with Zelda is, I mean, we won't spend too much time on it because I've only played a little bit of the game. But mm. the thing about Breath of the Wild and, and Tears of the Kingdom, which is pretty much in the same vein, is it's a game that's kind of like obviously you look at it, it's very cartoony. It's maybe for children in some aspects. Like a lot of kids play this game. However, the game design itself, and the open world, is really mature it's a it's really clever game design and i think that's where it gets all of its praise from yeah the way you kind of explore and traverse the open world the way you're kind of encouraged to go out there and explore much like we say about you know red dead redemption 2 for example or Mm. the witcher 3 it's it's in that same sort of mold in terms of open world games so i know you're not a fan of zelda but you've never played it but if you did ever get the chance to play Mm. breath of the wild and then perhaps tears of the kingdom i do recommend the games because they are really interesting if anything they're they're the way the games are designed, the way you play them is something quite like unique, I think, with open world games. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not like I don't, I'm not trying to say I hate them or dislike them. I've just never had the experience. I've never yeah. played them, so I just can't comment. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I mean, there's there's obviously some a lot of the nominations we haven't actually played between us, but there's a game that didn't get nominated Ooh. at this year's Game of the Year awards that I wanted to talk about. A game that made a real big impression when it landed. Maybe for good in some aspects. Well, sorry, maybe for bad in some aspects, but for good in a lot of aspects as well. Mm. That game is Starfield. Starfield has kind of had a really weird sort of, mm. I don't really want to call it a drop-off because I don't think it is a drop-off, but suddenly people feel really indifferent about Starfield for some reason. I'm yeah. not really sure I understand what's going on here because me personally, and I can only speak from experience, I've spent well over 100 hours on that game, completed the story, went into New Game Plus, did a shitload of shit building shitload of exploration, load of base building stuff and enjoyed every single minute of the game. I have got really sort of like high praise for Starfield for being exactly what it is. Mm. A Bethesda RPG where you can basically do what you want. And for some reason now, people are kind of like, I mean, Xbox fans are upset that it's not been nominated. Everyone else is saying, well, it doesn't deserve to be nominated because it's hot garbage. I disagree with that. But yeah, it's kind of in a weird place. I mean, 8 million players on Game Pass, 2 million people playing during early access, and a million play- concurrent players at launch. The game was a hit. It is a hit. Yeah. It was the the event game of the year. It I'm was. Like, it was my most anticipated um, game of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the the Todd Howard hangover is real. After games, like, I spoke about it, like, the... I hate shit number thirty because I, I want to love them, but the <laughs> propaganda that went into Starfield and you see like Pete Hines and Todd Howard going, "Oh yeah, it does this. We've got this. We've got that, and mm. you can do this." Yeah, blah 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 blah, and it does get expectations out of out of place, and yeah, I, 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 he could sell water to like someone that was Fish. drowning. 
yeah. it's ridiculous. Like he's such a good salesman and showcase, and he's a very good game designer. I'm not. He's who he is, and he's been working in the industry for longer than I've been alive, probably. <laughs> and he's fantastic. But there is this thing about Starfield where it's. I don't think any game would have lived up to that expectation because it's like Bethesda's yeah. first game in this long, like new IP in this song. It's the Xbox have just bought them and Xbox are so good at doing those little like developer directs and their marketing is f- incredible. Like if yeah. they get behind a game, they get behind a game. You see it with Redfall and obviously that's a different matter, but the way that they get behind games... And there was this big build-up, that forty-odd-minute presentation, and everyone was that the internet, everything, the whole world everyone was it. still, yeah, that's what it felt like. We were in that zeitgeist, and the whole world was watching Starfield. That's what it felt like. Yeah, and I don't think any game would. Have, I think if Baldur's Gate had that sort of hype, if Alan Wake Two had that sort of hype, it wouldn't have lived up to it. The only people that could do that, and they don't do too much press, is Nintendo, because mm-hmm. they've been in people's lives for fifty years or even longer. They've been around since the 1800s. There's magic about Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Starfield suffered from width, but no depth. You could do a lot of right. stuff in Starfield. You could go to hundreds of planets and you could, like, I don't know. I, don't, I can't even think of everything you, you can, can do, do in the loads, game. but you can do fuck yeah. all at the same time. That's it. <laughs> There's You can do a <laughs> lot of different things, Yeah. but when you then do that, there's not much else to it. So you can go to lots of different planets, but then when you get there, it's kind of like, what do you do now? You're on some barren world. And I I get it. There's a lot of planets in real life that if you were to visit, the majority of all planets are barren, wasteland, you know what I mean? Just And we'll kill you as soon as you land. Yeah. But, and I get that. Obviously, that's part of nature. That's how the game represents the future and so on but space travel and stuff yeah the game promised us so much and you could do everything they said you could do but the game was but only to like a little degree of, yeah of what you thought you could do and they let your imagination really take control like i thought i would be playing this game every day for the rest of my life because i was like there's gonna be so much to do <laughs> there's so many planets mm. to go to and then you yeah. play it you go you start exploring you kind of feel like i don't know it's getting a bit repetitive now let's try something else this i was mm. thinking this like they were they promised so much and they like they put so much effort into like the procedurally generated planets but it was fucking lazy mm. there was times in the story where i do side missions and i've seen the same base seven times yeah and oh. yeah it's the same enemies and they're yeah. shit because they're <laughs> shooting at walls and <laughs> i don't even the, understand like so speaking of the enemies the fucking what are they call the the eclectic or the eclipse or whatever they're called yeah some sort of brand of like space enemy i didn't even understand what their problem was i didn't even know why we were beefing them why are they shooting me i didn't understand who they were i saw a video of some guy who was being told to stand down and they were just shooting at him and he couldn't do anything talking about lazy as well the level design i was so unimpressed when i went to the city of neon for the first time and you're in the ship camera before you exit and you can do a bit of panning around and stuff and you kind of if you panned around you kind of spoiled the sense of depth that the game was trying to fake and you realized that this city of neon was like again really wide but had no depth to it and when you start walking around and you realise that this is like literally a massive 
oil rig city underground of the entire universe as we know it literally the underground place to go and it's like one oil rig I, I don't know that the, the game didn't give me any sense of like impressive scale i wanted yeah the the this city of neon like i don't know if you guys remember but in destiny there's you go to like mercury or one of uh, it's basically a massive water planet and it's got this massive dome mm. that you go in it's in destiny 2 and but when you stand outside of this like facility and you look left and this fucking dome goes on as far as the eye can see and then you look right and this dome goes on as far as the eye can see you get a sense of immense scale and you think that yeah. yes okay if this is the only underground city in all of space then yeah that makes sense but then you go to this tiny little oil rig and it's like there's one there's four fucking car parking spots for the spaceships do you know how long that queue would be i've thought to myself imagine if you went to tesco and there's four fucking car parking spots there'd be a queue for days so and it's like i um like ben you played the mass effects games and i think you played it yeah yeah like that come out mass effect 2 come out in like 2008 and the Citadel feels oh. bigger than Neon. Yeah. And the, the Citadel, Citadel is, cool. is, is like three floors. But yeah. there's more yeah. going on in those three floors than Neon. And then you get to like Ocala and it's just like, oh, it's this tiny... There's all this space that you can walk around, which you do walk yeah, around. That's a, yeah, that's the thing that I find like very strange about these planets is that like, you know, why is there just one city on a planet? Yeah. Like if that planet's been populated, there would be numerous cities on that planet. Mm. I think the problem is... For the sake of trying to kind of like capture that magic and that romance of like launching off into space, going into yeah. the stars and exploring, finding planets, mm. they really didn't pay enough attention and care to what you were doing when you were on the planets, what you yeah. were doing when you were in the cities. They blew the whole thing out, made it as big as they could make it, but it ended up being really empty. And it it, it literally only takes you maybe to the fifth or sixth time of landing on a planet and seeing the same facility where it does start to feel repetitive. It does yeah. start to feel like I've seen this before. Don't get me wrong. There are some epic moments in oh, Starfield. Yeah, there mm. are. And I really enjoyed what I played of the game, obviously. Like I think I actually think behind Alan Wake 2, Starfield was probably my second favourite game of the year. And yeah. I'd say I that because that. I, I, don't, I don't spend 100 hours on a game because I don't enjoy it. Obviously, I enjoyed mm. it. But I just, I feel like if they had shrunk the universe down to maybe, I don't know, a handful of solar systems. Mm. This is something you, know, you said towards the beginning, With only like it, 30, 30 planets mm. max in the yeah. game. They were all way more handcrafted, way more tailored. They could have exactly the same mechanics in the game. Like you can't get to that solar system over there because you don't have the right ship parts to it. You don't have the right technology to get over there. They could still keep all of that in the game, but just shrink it down and mm. spend more resources on tailoring an experience on those planets because the experience you get when you're on something like yeah there are moments like i remember when i went to the moon for the first time like earth's moon went, went there for the yeah. first time stepped off and it was awesome looking out seeing the stars like it's black pitch black out there you're looking out and there's nothing there it's barren it's kind of freaky kind of scary but at the same time it's it's, it's incredibly just amazing to see that yeah but then outside of that outside of those amazing vistas what is there on like the smaller scale yeah. that's going to be kind of impressive and give you that same sense of awe. I mean, there isn't really anything. You, 
I mean, there's no, I mean, talking about the planets and attention to detail and so on, like you say, if there were less planets, but more detailed, imagine you go to a planet and there's like an actual mountain range, because I felt like in Starfield, no mountain went higher than like a few hundred feet. Like there was no, um, like there's mountains on earth. Like I want to see, I want to land on an alien planet that has caverns that go down and, and mountain ranges that go up. But I want to see some incredible spectacles, but no yeah. matter what planet you landed on, there was a there was a very much a height limit. Nothing was ever going to go too much higher. Nothing was ever going to go too low. There was no real sense of scale. Like, you know, I know this is a bit sort of a strange um, thing to think about, but do you remember the trailer for um, oh, the game at the beginning of A E A completely flopped, flying Iron Men anthem anthem. Oh, anthem. And you know that spectacle when you're like looking over the edge and you get the sense of the the planet. And I know it's all fake and part of the whole lie that they were selling. Anyway, tying it back to just how impressive that looks. When I landed on a planet, it literally felt like I landed on like a little marble and there was nothing on it and there was no there was no great vistas. There's no view. There's no nothing. There's no incredible standing yeah. on a mountain and looking over valleys for as far as I can see. There's none of that. It's just a mm. relatively flat marble and you're looking over... No matter what yeah. planet you land on. And I on. actually I actually tried quite hard. So when I built my base for the first time, I tried quite hard to find something like that. Something mm. that had like a, maybe a mountain. Right? It took me... I did find a coast, like with an ocean and everything, but it took me a long time to find that. And I mean... I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird one because I, I can... I don't think Starfield is deserving to be nominated for Game of the Year. I don't think it no. is at all. I don't think that it does anything kind of like... When you compare it to the games we spoke about already, Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake, it's, it's nowhere near that level of execution or enjoyment. Well, enjoyment maybe is, is subjective, mm. but mm. you know, it's a weird, it's a weird one for me because I did have fun on it, yeah. But it's got so many flaws. There are so many mm. things wrong with that game, and it's weird to have spent so much time on a game that you did enjoy and you don't really regret spending much time on it. But you mm. kind of look back on it and think there's so many things wrong with this. And if they had just changed these couple of little things and it wouldn't have been anywhere near as, yeah. as bad of an experience as what people were saying it is now. Yeah. I knew the I'm, moment yeah. that it kicked. It, it was when I was playing it and it's just got worse, like thinking about the... Sorry to cut you off, Ben. Um, no, not at all. Like thinking about the game is... Um, obviously, there was that big <clears throat> hype about New Game Plus. Game yeah. changes, yeah. New Game Plus. New Game Plus. Pete Hines and Todd Howard sitting again, New Game Plus. Like this, and I was going through the mission, and do you know when you go through the temples, mm. every temple was the fucking same. Yeah. The entrance was on the same. They, I mean, that that was that was lazy. Well. They could have made every temple a different puzzle. Yeah, even that would have made made it made it a better experience. Yeah, it was... and you you go there, and one of them travelers turn up. You kill them; they're fucking easy to kill. And then it's you walk in, and it's left hand side. Oh, go down there. No. And I got to like the third or fourth one and I, it was just autopilot. And this game's meant to be, obviously they want you to get to New Game Plus and they make things easy. But it's meant to be about like exploring space and different dimensions and it, go in there, float around a bit, follow this fucking thing over here. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Isn't it? 
And it's just... They've put so much effort into the game, but they've taken so many fucking shortcuts. And I want to go in and just slap Todd Howard across the face and go, look, you are so good at what you fucking do, but you're so fucking lazy at times. Fallout's the same. Skyrim's the fucking same in the story. And (laughs) people have gone back to Skyrim and it's because these towns are handcrafted and Mm. people love them and it's a world you can get lost in. You can believe it. Outer Worlds came out years ago and it's by Obsidian and it's nothing like Starfield. But you go to cities, there's charm. People have got... The dialogue is so much better than previous Bethesda games, but it pales in comparison to other games in that genre. And it's... What are you doing? This game could have been the best game of all time. Hands down. Easily. I mean, like... Going back to the city, for instance, I'm talking like thinking about what you're saying about what the team are doing. I can imagine they built the what's the main city, the main city settlement, Jemison. the Gem, yeah, Jemison. yeah, Jemison. Mm. They, I mean, they say it's the biggest city that they've ever done, and it's fucking it not big. Like it it <laughs> like, doesn't feel like it's the biggest. They, city they've I ever felt done. like they could have built that city in a week, and they've been making this game. For years. So what happened to yeah. the team who made this city in a week? What were they then doing? Because I don't, sandwiches. Know. I don't Mate, know. I'll tell you what, if you if you if you look at the fucking like little tiny assets and stuff in the game, like you can't like the, the game's incredibly detailed. When you zoom down into like ship components and like if you can literally look at a panel of the ship inside with the buttons on it, it looks insane. You look mm-hmm. at like a sandwich on the table, it's insanely detailed with that but it's like why why have you gone to so much effort over things like that when the actual gameplay experience itself is really kind of lazy and like repetitive yeah. speaking of that sandwich like so this is a bit of inside baseball i i used to uh i studied game development for a little while and i used 3ds or dope uh automax i think that's the name of it. it might have changed by now but this is where you'd make assets and you'd put them into levels and stuff like that mm. there's like indices and polygons on that sandwich that I've seen that they've come out and when you make assets for games it's meant to be try and take out as many of these lines as possible which because yeah. it just takes up fucking RAM and it makes Resources. things difficult and if you look at the like the polygonal view of that sandwich there's lines coming off it they've they've sat there for like probably days crafting this fucking thing and it's why have you why? spent so much time on a fucking sandwich when yeah. you, this biggest city you've ever made is a stone's throw yeah i mean i i think i can i remember thinking about it at the time i don't want to talk about starfield forever but i remember thinking they really limited themselves with like the open world because the reason why in my mind and i'm pretty certain that this is true the reason why the cities are so small is because they obviously wanted the player to be able to jump out the front door and go and explore and they were obviously limited by how big of a city that they could make they couldn't go ahead and make a coruscant from fucking star wars they they'd spend all year making that oh you know i mean it would just be way too big so they made something that was small and condensed so that the player could then just jump over the wall and go and have an explore but that's where i really felt like they shot themselves in the foot by by making that like a core sort of requirement for the game you can't then allow yourselves to make cities much larger because you're giving the player an explorable outer area. You needed the city to be a individual separate map 
and then just have just fool me fool me with a skybox that surrounds me that shows a city going off into the fucking into the distance show me like some yeah. picture like every but, game is done in the past that makes it look like that. Because they've said you can explore any yeah, fucking that's it. speck on because they've shot yeah. themselves in the foot and said that. So have you ever? Did you, yeah, when when you're on 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 that pl when you're at Jes Jemison, has anyone ever hopped the wall and ran away for a bit and turned around and looked at the sea because it yeah. looks ridiculous? It's a yeah. massive, big, empty, open space just with this city just sat there. Yeah. And it's like where's the rest of civilization? We're talking about the whole of that's humanity. Here. Like, yeah. Where is everyone? Where's this is the, the home seas? of humanity. This is, is it, this is. New York isn't even the yeah. home of humanity. Tokyo isn't the home of humanity. London isn't the home of humanity. You expect me to think that an entire fucking planet has left into space and Jemison is like the home and you couldn't even fit where I live in that city. It's, yeah. 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 And like you go to a killer and it's meant to be like this sort of cowboy thing or whatever. And you, obviously there's where the city is and you've got something over there. Why isn't it just random houses dotted about with like farms, just to make yeah. it feel like it's yeah. like the old west? And there's because it's real easy to do. You I mean, I mean, I get it. Around. Like, I, I know I understand why you can't, you know, circumnavigate yeah. the entire planet, like walk around. I, I understand that, but the the sandbox you land in when you're in Aquila City or Jemison or whatever, they should at least expand that out. So like when you're mm. in the city, like you say, Connor, if you're looking over the edge. Um, or across across over the walls in Aquila, you see farmland out there. You see work going on. If if you're in Jemison, you see a fucking massive solar farm or a wind farm in the distance. People working on it. Like, why mm. is there not that stuff that you can see and interact with? It's literally just the city walls. Then outside of that, that there's nothing. And then when you yeah. get to like a distant planet with nothing on it, it's even worse. It's just the nothing without the city on it. It's just the nothing in it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to fucking anyway. poo poo stuff with because I did actually enjoy it. Oh, I really yeah. even know what no, yeah. As we much just as we it off for half talker, an hour, but yeah, yeah. but, but it is a like... it is a good game. It's just a shame. And I'm hoping they're... like it's a game. Like obviously we know what, from what we know yeah, about Bethesda, you come back to yeah. this game in in five years, it's going to be a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so many more added features to it. And like Skyrim, Skyrim is a ten year old game with ten years worth of content in it. I mean, hopefully, uh, Starfield can can make it that long as well, and it, we can have this discussion years down the line and be saying completely different things about it. Yeah. Anyway, one of the other games I wanted to talk yeah. about as well, because kind of a big snub, this one. Mm. Um, I think we know why the reasons yeah. are, but Hogwarts legacy mm. was without a doubt. Well, it was the second, second biggest game launch of the year behind tears of the kingdom. Yeah. Tears of the kingdom. I think you said mm. sold 18, 19 million copies. Right. And, uh, Hogwarts, Hogwarts legacy, 15. 15 million copies. Yeah. Yeah, it's, overwhelmingly it's easily, positive reviews on Steam, by the way, as well. Yeah, so completely snubbed of, of awards. I don't think it even got nominated for one thing at the Game Awards. I don't think it's really Bullshit. been nominated uh, for much across many of the, the awards. No, it got zero um, nominations. And I think okay. it's a little bit unfair for the game developers because, again, Hogwarts Legacy is a game that we all played and we all really enjoyed and yeah. it's just been completely ignored. And I kind of get it because there's a lot of baggage that comes with this game. There's a lot of controversy yeah. that comes with this game, mm. which I guess in the, in some sense as well is a reason why people shouldn't get too upset about the game awards and other yeah. award ceremonies, not giving your game or what you think is a game that deserves a recognition. Well, not giving it to them because it's such a shame. Yeah. That like, it's such a shame that politics are involved and because there's no way they're not, 
including the Hogwarts and, legacy. And J.K. Rowling, yeah. that's causing all these issues, has fuck all to do with Portkey yeah. games. Like, she has nothing to do with the game. She's not involved in the slightest. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's been, unfair for the developers because they they like okay. So we talk about Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake, especially Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate is a game that you you play and you can tell the developers have poured every ounce of love they've got into that yeah. game. They have really yeah. poured over this game, put everything they've got into it. When I look at Hogwarts Legacy and play the game, I can tell the developers care about the game oh. through what I'm playing. Yeah, And yeah. I know that they understand the world of Harry Potter, the wizarding world, and they've yeah. really done a great job in I portraying mean, that into a game. And I remember when, we, when we, the game came out and we were all playing it for the first time, and one of the things we said was, I never imagined in a million years I would see a, a game in the wizarding world like this, AAA, yeah. big budget, just this, so much fucking character and charm. Everything you could ever imagine from a game set in this universe, this Hog game, Hogwarts Legacy, basically delivered it. Yeah, mm. it had everything that we wished for, or at least I wished for as a kid about a game that I'd want to see in the wisdom world of Harry Potter. Like, and they, they, the developers absolutely nailed it. The launch was flawless. There was no problems on launch or as far as i can remember Very the game minimal if there was yeah minimal yeah. the like game the was absolutely gorgeous the inter like the the level design the fucking item design the house design the interior design the hogwarts the fucking everything design was absolutely impeccable like i would actually walk Wait, into hogwarts castle is one of the best things i've seen in a game yeah 100%. hands down fucking incredible it? just insane and i'd walk around um What's the little town called? Mead. Come Hogsmeade. on, it's called? Hogsmeade. Hogsmeade. And I'd literally, you could walk into each and every building and there was zero, absolute zero copy and paste. Every yeah. single building was handcrafted independently and individually. Super impressive. Then you had the game mechanics. The game ran great. It felt great. The combat was fun. It was like playing fucking batman back in the day stringing combos together it was tight yeah yeah, it was really yeah combat was tight that was and definitely one of the plus sides of the game yeah and then the only thing that was missing was fucking quidditch and they're adding that in or they're developing it now don't know if it's going to be a separate thing but um yeah but yeah i thought it was an incredible game and it is such a travesty not to celebrate what the de developers have done and even, even just nominate like, them even just for yeah. like um art design just for the Hogwarts yeah. castle alone, it's like, like you said, it's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Exploring parts of the castle that I wanted to go to when I was a kid. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it obviously, it's a fucking pun, but it, there is that magic to that game where it's, yeah. I've been yeah, reading, I've been reading these books and I've watched these films and it's a massive cultural phenomenon. Mm. And we very rarely see, how many adaptations do we see and they suck? Yeah, and like you can yeah. tell that Porky Games and they've worked with Warner Brothers. They've probably yeah got people from the films involved in some aspect. Just mm. the little details, and I'm so excited to see what they do next with yeah. this franchise. Me too. The only thing that makes me not get really fucking pissed off about them not getting nominated for anything is just how successful it's been. Like, thank yeah. fuck yeah. it sold well because good on you guys for making something that has made you a ton of money because you deserve was it. it. The most, it was like the most watched game on Twitch like ever at one point, wasn't it? Probably. Like, yeah. Something like that. It's something crazy. It's, it's putting in some crazy numbers in like yeah. streaming and stuff. And like, I, I think, I mean, I don't really want to get too much into this because it's quite like a 
a bit of a controversial yeah, topic for a lot of people. It? And I understand like people's yeah. points of view and I understand why they would want to boycott this game, mm. particularly as it's like, obviously we know JK Rowling was not involved in the production of this game whatsoever, but she, she owns the, the franchise. Like she yeah. owns the, the, the wizarding world. So one way or another is she's going to be involved in any conversation you have about this game. Mm-hmm. And I get why people don't want to have the conversations. I get why they want to push this game aside yeah. and, and kind of like, you know, not be a part of it. And it's completely fair and valid for, for, for people to feel that way. And I actually empathize with people, especially if you're a gamer and mm. you love Harry Potter, but you completely disagree with everything JK Rowling kind of stands for and has said, as most of us do. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tough decision to be in because for a lot of people, especially at our age group, like Harry Potter is such a big part of my life yeah. growing up. It's a key part of my life, really. And, you know, all the things I... all. Just that, that that sense of magic and awe that you get, you know, from from watching the films and reading the books when you're a child. And it's weird to be in a situation now where you feel like you can't love something because of one person. Yeah. So for me, the only thing I can really do is try to separate the art from the artist. And yeah. I think people, I don't want to tell people they should be doing it. I don't want to say, no. you know, you, it's unfair for you to kind of, tar it all with the same brush but, but there are people out in who worked on this game the developers who worked on this game who don't share the same views as jk rowling of course yeah. who poured everything they love about this franchise into this game wanted to make a really positive experience for people and i think that they did do that in the purest sense of the word and those people deserve to be praised for what they've achieved because i think they've fundamentally at the end of it just created a great game and it's mm. not very you know, it's a little bit unfair that they're not kind of being recognised for doing that. I can understand it, but at the same time, you know, things like a game as successful as Hogwarts Legacy doesn't come around that often. No, so, not a know. brand new IP either. No, right. and and yeah. nail it. Obviously, uh, obviously, Harry Potter's it was gonna have a brand new game franchise, and mm. and yeah, and it, what everything that that game allowed you to do, like it wasn't just a a small game. This was a full open world. Like And Avalanche yeah. have not been at their best of these last couple of years. You know, they had a bit of a dip since Mad Max and I hope they have a proper bounce back um, obviously with that. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, I, I feel... It's the developers I feel sorry for because um, they've been dragged into something. They knew probably knew it was coming and I think Warner Brothers would have briefed them, especially like about what was going on. But... Mm. And obviously, they're getting a lot of love from people that played the game. But like, this is our generation Star Wars, and to have it tarnished by one horrible woman, and these yeah. people have—they've these people have got death threats, I'm sure, and being called mm. this, that, and the third in their DMs for making a a wonderful game. So, yeah, it's, even just like an art direction nomination, just something would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. pivoting away from from Hogwarts Legacy, I mean, there's, there's, we've talked about some of the biggest games of the year, but there are still many other games that have come out this year that we've all yeah. played and and enjoyed. So, um, yeah, I want to talk about uh, some some other games that have not necessarily been nominated or getting as much attention. Column, mm. uh, what's been what's been your? <laughs> well, <laughs> not Colin. What, I mean, what have been your highlights for this year aside from the games that I we've mean, spoken about? It's been an excellent year for gaming, hasn't it? Twenty twenty three. So yeah, we've really been spoiled. Um, I don't. I don't mind kicking it off with some of my favourites. Yeah, go. go. So, um, 
Dead Space remake. Obviously, it's a remake um, mm. and not a full brand new game. But what the developers did is they quite literally took something that wasn't broke and just made it better. I thought because, this was going to get nominated for yeah, like, a game I did of the year too. at the beginning of the year. I don't know year. if it and, did like, get Resident nominated. Resident Evil 4 is a fucking direct remake. Dude. Exactly. Like, it's the same sort of bread yeah. and butter, really. It's just the same thing. But um, but yeah, I think Dead Space got nominated for Best Audio Design and Best Action Game. But um, but yeah, just, a, just an excellent example of taking something that, once again, isn't broke and then actually improving it because they didn't just rebuild the bones of a game that's maybe over 10 years old now. They actually took mm. everything apart, completely rebuilt it and put it back together better. So you had, for instance... Mm. In the first game, it was kind of you working your way through a linear story. You're not much deviating off the path, even though it didn't really feel like you were tied to going in one direction. You felt you had some kind of freedom. In this new remake, you could explore the entire ship anytime you liked. There was a real sense of like, I've been here before, but because I can come back here at any time and technically so can the enemies, nowhere was safe. There was no clearing this section and coming back later. And, oh, I've been here. It's all, everyone's dead. It's fucked up. Like, well, there was so many new systems at play. Like, you had brand new gore. I can't remember what they called it. It was like um, shredding or something like that, where the layers of the enemy necromorph's skin were fucking layered. So if you shot them once, you might take off a few layers and then... The bone is like it was proper, the most graphic, gory game you could imagine. The whole game was incredible. Yeah. Definitely deserves some. I think audio's design is a good one. Best action game too. I don't think it'll win it, but it's um, it I was really this, good. I hope this leads them to go back because I know that studio's got major issues with Dead Space Three. They don't like it. Yeah. So I hope they can remake yeah, two remake the way they've it. done two and then redo three in their like a director's cut version. I think that'd be really cool. So they yeah. can finish the trilogy how they want to. Mm. Yeah. I mean, hopefully I'd love to see I think they did maybe tease that they are starting to remake the other two potentially. They put they literally put out a survey that was like do you want Dead Space 2 and 3 to be remade. I think they literally asked a black and white question yes. saying that. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. After yeah, so, like one of the yeah. best games of the year. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> this is one on my... Um, the Dead Space franchise has eluded me. Um, mm. But I think it's on Game Pass now, I think. I think you might be right, actually. I'm not um, sure. Yeah. But yeah. You've got the partnership with EA, haven't they? So you can get... Yeah. Games like, Game Pass. I know, ben, you speak so highly of these games that yeah. I definitely want to play Dead Space. I mean, it's one of those, it's obviously, a, yeah, it is on the Game Pass. It's, um, I'm not huge on horror games. I maybe play them slightly more frequently, but I'm not a big, I'm not, it's not my go-to. I definitely don't mm. play horror games for fun, fun. But Dead Space, I remember playing it younger and it was like a real good, so it was scary, but it wasn't too much. And it was like, it made me jump and thrilled, but it wasn't too much. It was a good it's balance like an of like horror sort. Of. Yeah, it really yeah. was. And the way I put it before is, it's like a game where people and enemies will scare the shit out of you. Go ahead and fucking fuck them up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Something jumps out of you and makes you jump. Blow their fucking limbs off. So it's kind of got a good balance <laughs> of, oh, you wanker, you made me jump. <laughs> there go all your arms. So, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, it's a it's a good yeah. game. Um, I haven't really got at some point. Yeah, I haven't really got much of. I played Hi-Fi Rush. I don't want to spoil it. Diablo Four. I thought I'd love that more, 
definitely didn't. That game took oh, over that, two that weeks. Four of my was just that was so yeah. weird. That that, mm. that that little two weeks I of loved Diablo it Four was weeks. really strange because I haven't touched it since then. Yeah, poured hours in, into it, and it's like spent nothing that I've seen about the game now. <laughs> Makes me want to go back to it at all. And then yeah. they started moving the buy where the buy button was, and like, yeah, oh, by the way, we're going to wipe all your progress after this point. It's like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. You're doing I mean, too much, player. man. Just fucking just, just leave it. It's mm. the the monetization again, we obviously goes back to EA and stuff like that. It's like Blizzard have made this game and it is Blizzard, isn't it? I think yeah, Diablo. Yeah. yeah. And uh they've made this game and I've never played a Diablo game and I want to go back if it's because um, I had such a great time with Diablo four for those two weeks. And then mm. you could just say, Right, you're hooked. Now we're gonna take as much money off you as possible here's these skins here's this oh by the way your progress is going to be completely wiped this season so then but you can always do this and that'll give you something it's like fuck you just Mm. let me play the game because it's core that is a solid game yeah and it's just monetization is just rip the soul out of it it's weird how it's weird how monetizing the game like that and having like season passes and and skins and a store and everything can really drastically change a game because like you say yeah, the core of that game is a real fun time. It's a real great experience. And like we talk about presentation of games as well. Again, Diablo 4, cutscenes, everything, voice acting, really well presented game, runs great, looks great. And then they've just like, they just can't help but stick this storefront in your face, buy yeah. the battle pass, buy the season pass, buy the skins. It's like, just let us play the fucking game. Yeah, man. you got to make on. me love the game first. Like, and this is a bit of a tangent, but like, I'd never really put much money into games until I started playing Valorant. Valorant got me because I really enjoyed the game. And then mm. putting money into the game felt like, well, I'm enjoying this game and the game's for free. I kind of felt yeah, yeah. like I was getting my money's worth. I realise now what a mistake that was. But mm. it's it's like I it was the right way round to do it. I I started mm. to really enjoy the game. Thus, I put money into it. Start shoving the fucking store in my face the moment I press play. Or oh, I've even had a chance to fucking play it. Yeah. It's it's a disgrace, yeah. honestly. Like it's so fucking yeah. irritating to, like I've barely fucking touched the game. I've been on it five minutes and there's already like, oh, here's the storefront and yeah. stuff. Like, Fuck off. I mean, yeah, let me play the game. Yeah, even though I was singing the praises of um, Gears of War five earlier, that did a bit of a. The moment I pressed play, it was like, bow pass this, buy this. There's a there's you can buy cash now. Take this money. You can spend money now, and it's like, oh, I've, I have no idea. I've just launched a game for the first, so it was a bit of a, oh no, don't go down this road, please. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah. anyway, Connor, any, any, any uh, oh, I've hits, got super hits for you this fucking, year? Go on. I had to cut back. List them off. <laughs> uh, um, I really think if Risk of Rain Returns come out earlier on in the year, it might have been in my like top five. Um, yeah, really enjoying that. Um. Remnant 2, I really enjoyed. I thought there was, um, after the first one, sort of, I got to play for free, I think, on Epic for a while. Second one's great, and I need to put more time into that. And mm. I love the world of that game and what they're doing. Mm. Uh, Sons of the Forest. Um, yeah, that's fun. A, it's fun that I game. had such fun yeah, playing that I game. I kind of forgot and, about that game. And mm. they're constantly adding it, and it's constantly being patched. Um, I had so much fun playing that game and it's sort of stuck out. Um, and then the other two that would I would put in my like top five or would be up for game of the year would be um, Dredge and Dave the Diver. 
Um, Dredge is a good game. I haven't played Dave either. Dredge is a, for those who don't know, it's a, like a Lovecraftian fishing game. And it's a real simple gameplay loop. You go out, catch fish, you go and sell it, upgrade your ship. But you know, you know when no. you when you when you sail back and like the sun's going down, it's actually yeah. quite intense. Yeah, like you're rushing to get back to the fucking harbour or wherever it is you 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 want to dock up, and then you can it, see the little like, <laughs> yeah, the sun's going down and like the little fucking all seeing eye is like seeing everything. Like, and then things are like it looks like you're tripping a little bit and things are yeah, shaking yeah, yeah. and yeah, it's oh, a I really want to like, play it. It's so good, game. good dude. It's and you can game. do it in like you can do it in ten hours, and they've got DLC like I said, like out. real simple gameplay loop. But oftentimes, mm. like they're the best games to to the most fun. Really and simple. You go out, catch fish, try and, and survive the, the night. You have that, and like there's five lif- different biomes. It's not a big game. Five different biomes, and there's um mm. they've all got their own little secrets to explore and different types of fish. But it yeah. is that if you go out during the night, there's this like real cosmic horror aspect to the game. Yeah. But it's risk and reward because you can go out and like your psyche will be completely messed up, but you'll get bigger fish that sell for more. So you can do your boat up. And there's like little um, like boss sort of things. It's fantastic. You can do it like 10 hours, dude. It's really such good. a good game. And the art style is brilliant and yeah. i can't wait to see what that perfect for the does. steam deck man next time you're mm. off now yeah yeah and um the other one again down to gameplay loop dave the diver incredible it's just you split your time i don't really of... know much about dave the diver i'm going to admit this game has, has got overwhelmingly positive reviews on steam tens yeah. of thousands of people have played but i know nothing about it don't you yeah. own like a sushi bar or something you have to go dive yeah. fish you do you spear fish and then you take your um your catches deliver them to the sushi place in the evening and then you just take you have a chef and you go and take the orders to people is it so it's, is it kind of like a like a resource management slash like kind of, but it's very simplistic like you, it. uh, but you can go you can upgrade your suits you can dive deeper and there's like yeah. quest lines through um different things Mm. And it's just... Ooh. It looks nuts, dude. The trailer is all over the it's, place. It looks like five different games. It's so good. And I don't know how they've done it because it's such a simple gameplay loop. Go and fish, come back, take food to a customer. and but you're, you're two, you're two, two of your favourite games of the year revolve around fishing. Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> Fucking great. But honestly, <laughs> like the independent indie games this year have been incredible. They always are. Yeah, like, Sea of Stars like, is another one, another small game by Stars, Dead, which is a great game. It's beautiful. And Oxenfree 2 is so good. Obviously, I know they've been bought by Netflix now, but it's so good. And I played a game the other day called Heretic's Fork, and you play as someone who's like, it's just a click uh, tower defense game. I lost three hours. Yeah. It cost me <laughs> like a certain amount. And you see um, Lethal Company, £8. And mm. it's hundred thousand concurrent players, and yeah, um, it's like I'm all these cuts and layoffs this year. But there's so many talented people out there making yeah. games. I mean, I yeah. saw people concerned about the fact that obviously it's been an excellent year for gaming. Thus, it's going to drive prices of publishers and everything through the roof because obviously gaming is really popping off right now. What's the little man going to do to stand out? But then you have games like Dave the Diver and Lethal Company that come through. Like, and it's you like. Look at la- last year, you had Cult of the Lamb, obviously uh, mm. published by Devolver Digital. And I implore people to go and look at publishers like Devolver Digital. Because like, mm. there's years where AAA games are 
dog shit. Yeah. And yeah. Like, look, I'll shift for example. If you don't go on Steam regularly or um, find sites like Eurogamer or Metacritic and go and just look at some of these independent games. Yeah. Because there's so much talent out there. And mm. I, I think Lethal Company is made by like one guy or a f- couple of people. Mm-hmm. And it's a hit. It's such a good space yeah. to be in right now with uh, these engines out there that people can use. Yeah, I think it is made by one guy, Lethal Company. Awesome. Yeah. That's a story you love to hear. Yeah. How about you, James? Any standouts for you that um, haven't quite made it? It's Yeah, it's weird really because I've played quite a lot of games this year. Um, most of which we've already spoken about, but I just feel like, for me, it's it, it, since like three weeks ago, this this whole year now has just been about Alan Wake. Yeah, like that that is the game for me this year. That's the best game I've played for a long time. Mm. The most kind of like impressed I've been by a game since probably yeah. Red Dead Redemption Two. And yeah, I mean I've played a lot of games this year. I, I actually, you know, contrary to what your Steam reviews might say, I really enjoy Forza Motorsport. I'm not I'm not a racing sim guy. Don't really play yeah. racing sims, but Forza, good. Spent a lot of hours in that. I really enjoy that. I was, and uh, I think Hi-Fi Rush you mentioned as well, Ben. Hi-Fi Rush is an excellent game too. That's 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 like that was one of the most pleasant surprises I think of the year. Just come out of nowhere, stealth dropped, and a really solid experience. Great yeah. little game. Like it's like a little bit different. And um, I haven't the... spent enough time on it, but Lies of P is a game that I plan to play. Yeah, I need to give that soon. a go. Uh, yeah. I did like, not um, realize the. Falls of motorsport reviews were that bad. What the heck? Yeah, I don't understand it because, like, I well, maybe it's because I, I don't, I'm not part of like the Forza racing sim thing. I mean, mm. like, you know, if for example, kind of, if we, if we went and look at the FC24 reviews well, we and they were fucking why through shit. the floor, we yeah. know why they're shit. We know why that game sucks. But someone yeah. else might think, oh, yes, it's actually pretty good. But yeah, with Forza, it's really weird. I don't understand why it's been so badly reviewed, and I don't have the context of previous Forza games to sort of judge yeah. it against I'm just literally playing this with fresh eyes like I've never really played a mainline Forza game before I played Forza Horizon 4 and 5 but um, yeah the, the racing sim Forza Motorsport never played it but I, I really like the game I think it's a great game interesting I don't know what people yeah. I, like I, 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 I vaguely looked at the um, reviews the other day you mentioned this to me the other day James because you mm. played it and you said I don't know what the Steam reviews are going on about and there's people in the comments like harkening back to like Falls of Motorsport 2 on like the 360. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? Don't. Yeah. Game, yeah. Uh, they change and obviously people take yeah. their simulation games seriously and so, yeah, comparisons. I, there's no yeah. context whatsoever. I, so think, I, I think it's I, been like more greatly received on Xbox compared to PC. I think PC's got a few problems as well. I think that's one of the other things. Mm, I never experienced yeah. really any problems with the game myself, but that's one of the sort of things you see recurring, especially on the Steam reviews. So I don't know if it's a Steam platform thing or, or what. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I but don't yeah. know. There's issues with like certain games being poor. We've seen it all year. Yeah, poor fucking yeah. ports on PC. But um, sometimes I've... different versions get uploaded to Steam and Xbox Game Pass. I had it in the past where one game was like DirectX. 10 on Xbox Game Pass, but if you played it through Steam, it was like DirectX 11, which was notoriously better. Bad. Weird. Yeah. I forgot, um, obviously, Juicesant as well, made by the people that made Life is Strange Don't oh, Not. Yeah. That's such a chill game, and it's just a perfect game to jump into, and you're just climbing, nice, and man. atmospheric, very good, and you've got 
two like a dragon games that's like pretty much just gone to game pass uh, like the yakuza series two to add to the existing 30 huh two to add to the existing 30 oh mate that studios <laughs> that that game was meant to be dlc and they made a fully fledged game in six they, they pump out two three games every year man they just they just that it. studio is just like pumped with red bull i think it's, yeah they're just cracking games out left right and center mm. Well, I think, you know, on the whole, 2023 has been a really, really good year for games. And I think we've been very spoiled, like you say, Ben, and quite rightly as well. We've had a great year. Um, I'm not sure about the Game Awards. I don't know who's going to win what. And personally, I don't care because of the games yeah. that I have played this year, I've really enjoyed myself. And I encourage anyone listening to this to not get too caught up in, you know, the kind of concept of this game versus that game at the Game yeah. Awards. If the game you love reviews. and you think is exactly play the games for yourself, enjoy them. If you don't enjoy it move on to something else no one's forcing you to play it having said that lads it's been a great chat as always and i think we'll wrap it up there because we're going on to an hour and a half now so it's getting a bit long but, um yeah if you enjoyed the show uh check out the link in the description you can see us on discord you can join our community over there you can see our youtube channel all our socials all sorts of other things as well thank you for listening and uh yeah i guess we'll catch you next time column game of the year for <laughs> <laughs> see ya Bye-bye. Bye.